listening to the Construction Big Breakfast, where we give you a hearty serving of insider tips and business strategies to help fuel your day so you can thrive in the construction industry. Now, here's your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Tip Top Tim Fitch, and welcome to the Construction Big Breakfast. Today, we're diving into an all really, really interesting conversation around how construction positions itself in terms of public affairs, uh, which I, I think is going to be a really good debate. There's lots about construction that gets overlooked, and we're going to enlighten everybody today. Anyway, joining me today for this podcast is our special guest, Matthew Goodbury. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Can you give our listeners a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, thanks very much, Tim. Thanks very much, Ben, for having me. Uh, Very, very happy to be here. My background is in public affairs and politics. I've been in and out of the trenches uh, for more years than I care to think in Canada and the UK. Studied politics and policy at uh, University of Toronto and University College London up the road, where your your alma mater is also, Tim. Uh, And now working at the Tony Blair Institute, mainly on foreign policy and international affairs, but always had an interest in innovation and economic growth. And so it's a huge, huge pleasure to be here to talk about how construction fits into that. Great. Matt, it's great to have you here today. The first question, before we get into the meat and potatoes of uh, the subject today, is of course what we ask everyone else. Yeah. What did you have for breakfast today? It depends on if you're asking what do I want or what does my wife want. What my wife wants for breakfast is what I have from Monday to Friday, which is the fruit shake with the bananas, the avocados, the frozen berries. Forget it. I'm going to live for 500 years. But on the weekend, that's my world and that's my domain. So then we have our variation on the English breakfast, which is bacon, sausage, uh, you know, eggs, toast. Uh, we usually have uh, some sort of fruit with it, but that's that's the main jam. But we don't do the fried tomato. I can't get on board with the fried tomato. I'm sorry to say, boys. No, I'm with you. I'm with you there. No, no tomato with my breakfast. Definitely yeah, not. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. No tomato. Sorry, not tomato. Tomato. Uh, too, yeah. too kind. <laughs> this is talk about accommodation. Accommodation of newcomers. I well, love it. There are some linguistic differences. We know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I know what I had today because today I'd get up extra especially early because I had to come to the office relatively early. I went to the gym first. Oh, come on. When I got back, my this wife guy. had prepared for me a yeah. bacon roll with brown sauce. Go on. No, that's exactly what happened. I'm impressed. Well played. God being overnight. Yeah, well, no, I was sort of late getting up, um, but that meant that I had a quick stop at Greg's on the way to the train, so I had a bacon bap and a latte. So, you guys are having much more fun than I am. Yeah, remind me. Red or brown? Red. Red every day. Divides the world. Red or brown? Red. Red. Yeah. Okay, moving swiftly on. (laughs) Moving swiftly on. Anyway, Matt, great to have you. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, So, we had. The reason we asked you to come on, we'd had had a chat. uh, I think it was started in the House of Lords. As everything does. Uh, It starts in the House of Lords. I mean, I'll tell you what, we are filming this. Boris is currently the Prime Minister. Yeah. Although this is the day after all the resignations started. Yeah. And anything could happen. Yeah, 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 totally. So by the time this goes out... Who knows? We don't know. I mean, my perspective is on this is that it feels like the, the, the guys in the Tory backbenches that wanted to oust the Prime Minister last month, yeah, I had the confidence vote, the 1922 yeah. committee. I don't understand why they didn't wait until the by-election results in Tiverton and, and Wakefield. 
because I mean, obviously it wasn't a very good night for the prime minister. I think that the result could have been very, very different uh, had that uh, confidence vote been held after the by-election. So, I mean, if you're going to oust somebody, then do it at the right time, I guess. We might not be, be having this conversation, but now things are moving on quite a bit more rapidly, aren't they? Uh, hopefully. Uh, hopefully there's a bit of change coming. It's very rapid. Indeed. But anyway, when we were at yeah. the National Opposition, yeah. this was after the confidence vote, I can't remember, but yeah. it, we had this conversation around, because we're, our, this podcast is obviously about construction. Sure. We're heavily into construction one way or another. Yeah, yeah. And I think what the conversation's done well, you know, it gets knocked a lot for the yeah. things that it's not so good at. But it doesn't get, it certainly doesn't blow its own trumpet. And people don't appreciate how amazing, in my view, yeah. I think it is for the economy. Mm-hmm. And it'd be great to explore today about, from a political point of view, what what's the thinking around construction public affairs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the interesting thing is, is that the case, in theory, should be an easy one, right? The numbers are there, you know, 3 million plus jobs, around 10% of the economy. We're talking close on 400 billion value in terms of a sector. Is that right, broadly? Well, and that's not including some of the indirect spend yeah. um, that happens in manufacturing, yeah. in you know, hotels and everything, because it's such a transient labor force moving around the UK. So it's probably a lot more than that when you yeah. really delve into the numbers properly. Yeah, totally. And I guess one of the challenges, I suppose, with the sector is the capturing from a quantitative perspective, the, the output and uh, in terms of labor and everything else, because of the nature of, let's face it, a bit of transience and, and you know, c- companies coming in and coming out of the sector. It's not as if you've got these ancient corporations like you have in insurance or banking that sit with, with you know. But they're also very, it's highly disaggregated. Right. So there are some old, old businesses. Sure. Graham's yeah. is over 200. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. But each of those turnovers less than a billion. Yeah, right. Graham's growing quite quickly now. Yeah. After two hundred years. Yeah. Um, but so the, the, it hasn't. It's not like there's a there's a giant business that dominates the sector. Yeah, or even precisely. Two or three. There's some precisely. very large businesses. But yeah. They never account for more than a few percent. Yeah. Total. That prep part of the problem. I think the other thing where construction is really interesting is the the industry itself is highly cyclical. Yeah. And it's subject to massive variations in demand. Yeah. So, for instance, between a boom and a bust, which could happen overnight in construction, because as soon as the confidence goes to the economy, all of the private sector stuff gets turned off. Yeah. Yeah. We hear it a lot from our clients, you know, the architects, the phone rings, someone says, stop spending money. Yeah, shovels out of the ground, sorry folks. Well, stop, Pack stop it up. drawing. Yeah, yeah. Don't need that building, we're going to delay it. 18 yeah. months, see how the world changes. Yeah. And what construct, the way construction organises itself is it can cope with those huge and very fast variations in demand without throwing hundreds of thousands of people onto the double. Yeah. Absolutely. It's astonishing that they can do that. They can. Yeah. And yeah. obviously it can contract very quickly. It can't grow quite as fast, but it can grow much faster than the, the economy. Which is probably one of the, I mean, it's almost like a perverse advantage in the sense because because of that, the nature of the business and this almost the self-reliance of the sector, 
maybe government doesn't feel as moved to engage to an extent from a public policy standpoint. Is that fair? Like, as in, it's not, it's not like the healthcare sector that says we need X billion dollars every year to meet the demands of the service and to meet the demands of the patient, uh, patients, uh, you know, uh, group. But, but it's what the healthcare sector needs are more hospitals, better hospitals. Indeed, and other things that they are then relying on the construction industry sector. for. Yeah, yeah, so, again, totally. This is where, uh, when you talk policy, you know, roads, yeah, uh, railway, schools, yeah, healthcare, it's all in some way, shape, or form relying on us as an industry performing. Um, and you know, the hospital in Birmingham was in the news yesterday. I don't know if you saw the one that Carillion uh, dropped when it went bust. It's been delayed again by another two, three years. Yes, it is. Um, so you know, again, we're not shining ourselves in a, as an industry yeah. particularly well there um, but at the same time it feels that there's something missing in terms of that joined up strategic thinking at policy level between the different se- uh, sectors and how construction influences are. Because there's no doubt um, that construction relies directly and indirectly on government in- investment sure. in infrastructure and yeah. social infrastructure so yeah. as well as Everything around you that's to do with infrastructure, whether it's roads or buildings, yeah. that's, that's government money. Yeah, there's there's government sort of from a procurement standpoint, but then going back to this point, it's almost like there's not a supply and demand problem in many instances. There's a demand, of course, when you think about housing, and there's enormous demand for housing at the moment, in particular affordable housing, which the country is nowhere mm-hmm. near meeting the goals and targets that it's set out for itself to meet. And then there's the supply, which is a, a extremely large, incredibly vibrant uh, sector that's willing to, to meet the, the needs that uh, the government and obviously the population is setting out. But clearly something in the middle is not working the sort of black box that you call it in terms of public policy the dot uh, the line uh, the dots are not being connected um, you could talk about regulation you could talk about any number of other things no, but I, I will try and sort of defend the conversation uh, in part so that we don't upset all our viewers um, because there are some really good things that are happening you know the yeah. construction playbook the value toolkit there's some really good conversations um, that are happening um, you know things like the building safety act yeah. You know, uh, Mr. Um, Wilmot Dixon doesn't particularly like it, in, according to yesterday's news. But in general, when certain things are required, yeah. we can sort of work together. But since the um, uh, the construction, there was an individual, I forgot what the name of the title was. Um, there used to be an individual uh, who was sort of the linchpin and the, the go-between between government and uh, industry. Uh, the chief government advisor or something like that, right. uh, construction advisor. abolished after, I think it's been abolished, Peter Hansford was the last one. The last one who had it full time. Um, I think one of the MPs who quit last night had it as like his third most important role, um, which makes no sense, does it, for something yeah. that is so important to the industry. But going back to that point that you made about the you know building hospitals and the priority that governments have to place in construction as a mechanism for delivering the promises basically that they're making to mm-hmm. constituents, I mean, is the issue less about making the case for construction as a sector, but 
putting, entering, insinuating almost construction as a sector into bigger challenges that society is facing. So there's huge amounts of issues around productivity. We know there have been challenges in the construction sector in general about that, maybe, maybe a bit more than other sectors, but this country in general compared to other countries is not doing what it should be when it comes to productivity. There's issues around export growth, and then I mentioned housing earlier. Is it about inserting construction sector as a, as a part of the answer to these larger challenges rather than sitting down and saying let's talk about construction I think there's an interesting thread yeah. developing there because construction consumes lots of government cash sure but you get an output which they which is tangible and is there for 50 or 100 years which MPs like right yeah so rather than like healthcare which is you put lots of money in yeah and people live a bit longer. Yeah. Which is tangible, but it's not quite the same as saying, oh, look, there's a new, new bridge. Yeah, you can't or take a picture. There's a new housing estate, yeah. which is going to provide housing for 100 years, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So the thing about construction, because it's so reliant on the government money, a lot of it is public procurement as well. Yeah. There is a big move, and Ben's passionate about this, around procuring for value, and where a lot of the value, and the values in the eye of the holder, is some form or a number of forms of social value. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. on this. And the, the construction way has got no choice but to respond to that if they want to win these larger, more sophisticated projects, and they are. Yeah. And so therefore you get, it, it ends up being some these government policies start getting enacted mm-hmm. by the construction sector because it's mandated through the procurement process. So I mean, you've got those examples. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, construction creates so much social good, uh, so much social value. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there are great examples of uh, well-built, well-built schools creating better uh, educational outcomes, so great For sure. uh, in, mm-hmm. improving uh, hospitals as well. You know, new hospitals generally um, are better, you know, less infections and all that. Um, and since the social value act started impacting uh, construction, yeah. people are starting to think about well, what does that really mean yeah. um, in terms of outcome. I think where the disconnect ha- it happens, so the policies are already enacted, and then it's like, well, how construction? How do you answer? You know, if we turn it uh, to a sort of a, a more traditional construction. Um, uh, conversation we start talking about early contractor involvement you know, it's early industry yeah. involvement good parallel um, yeah. you know you think about the climate change crisis yeah and um, so we're talking about creating net zero buildings uh, and some great stuff to reduce embodied carbon but there seems to be a little bit more of a disconnect between uh, refurbishing the existing housing stock yeah which is the biggest creator yeah. of carbon that we have in the um, in the country just forty percent of energy use. Is yeah, and in you know things there. like the Green Deal and stuff yeah. like that. You yeah. know, it starts and it finishes quite quickly yeah. because they realise the policy doesn't quite work right. Yeah, um, and the industry isn't quite built right to do it. Yeah, there's almost a need to have some way of influencing earlier. Yeah, the intent is good in policy. Yeah, and the industry could probably do it but it's not the most efficient way of going about the conversation. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, when the government is talking about the Green New Deal, the net zero commitment, uh, the the climate change approach, the COP that we just had here last year, when you look around the table in terms of conversations that uh, sectors and really, I think, historically activists are having, 
um, which is totally fair, with government about uh, the climate agenda. I mean, how often are seats taken up by the construction sector? Going back to the other point that I was making in terms of it's not necessarily about bringing politicians around the table to talk about construction. It's about making sure the sector is at the table when politicians are talking about these issues that are critical. That I shouldn't say that issues are critical. It's that construction is critical to resolving the mm -hmm. issues. That's the critical. That's the argument for me. That is the principal argument. That if you want to get this done, if you want to meet your COP targets, if you want to meet your affordability, your housing affordability targets, the construction sector has to be at the table from target setting phase, let alone imp implementation. I would think. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I'm not. Ben, you may you may know the detail better than me. Isn't the construction leadership council sort of trying to perform something? is doing that or trying to do that? Yeah, there are, um, and um, you know, the RIBA, ICE, um, they all have opportunity to influence. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's the opportunity provided at the right time, at the sure. right level, and sure. to enough people. Sure. Because there'll be a lot of people um, around that trying to table, fight their way in. Yeah. trying to influence things um, yeah. for, you know, sometimes their own yeah. sort of political um, sort of requirements and good, but is it then losing and is the influence enough? Yeah, we're we talking in enough ears. The other way to look at this too, and it's quite interesting, is is the role of holding government to account. So going back to the housing affordability at stock and supply, I mean, a lot of the people that traditionally work to hold the government to account these types of commitment commitments are you know uh, rough sleeping advocates, uh, shelter advocates, etc. I mean, does the construction sector should it play a role, I wonder, in that sort of accountability process, which is to say, you know, you committed to, to uh, build this many homes, we're ready to start building. Where's the, you know, where's the leadership? You know what I'm saying? Or is that not the role? Is right, it uh, it's a slight house building is not construction. Right. It's a different business model. It involves construction. House builders are typically their key skills are yeah. to do land assembly. Got it, yeah. Planning. Yeah. Development. Sure. Marketing and selling houses. The, the construction bit is a third of the cost. Yeah. Uh, probably a third of the value. Less than a third of the value. The value is created by assembling the land and getting yeah. the land consent. And then building at the right time, which is a marketing. But nevertheless, an important uh, component of it. it of that bit, yes, because yeah. you do need, if you suddenly say we want to build, you know, whatever, I don't know where we're at now, 170,000 houses a year, mm. you really should be a quarter of a million. Yeah. Then the, the, the real constraint is the skills to do the building bit, because the, the land is already yeah. bought. Yeah, yeah, sure. In many cases, you've got planning consent. Yeah. So the question is, is the demand, we know the demand's there, yeah. but can they pay for it right and the other one is we've actually got to build the physical thing sure that's the essence of the, mm. the game so the, there's all of that going. yeah and construction's got a part of that they can't affect the ability for people to buy the thing when it's built no indeed and they're not involved in assembling the land and um, running a, a, a house building business but, which is, a, which is yeah. different from being a constructor. But people's ability to buy, I think, comes down to government policy when it comes to affordable housing, isn't it? I mean, you can't yeah, have these also units. Market forces. Yeah, market forces, indeed. But I think the whole... That, that 
Which is especially important now, given the cost of materials, given the cost of transport, which is of enormous concern to the sector and the reality that many people increasingly can't afford to build or buy a house, isn't it? I mean, this, um, again, in the news this week, was it the, the idea of 50-year mortgages so that you can hand your mortgage to your children? I'm not sure. I certainly wouldn't want my parents' mortgage arriving at some point I live in, in my Chiswick. lifetime. I, there is an interesting, although it's a, a similar model in Germany, I think. I live in Chiswick. It'll be a 500-year mortgage, but yeah. go on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So in Germany, people don't buy a house till they're 40, something like that. Yeah. So it's much different from the UK in mm-hmm. the perspective the rental sectors a large part yeah most people yeah one of the um, potential um, reasons for the disconnect is I do think that there is a uh, an issue sometimes some of the things especially when you come to uh, real infrastructure change mm-hmm. um, you, the Elizabeth line Yes. New power stations. Yeah. Flagship projects. Flagship. Yeah. Take a lot longer than five years. Yeah, for sure. And certainly will not make a positive impact in the first two years of anyone's term. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a an short termism that unfortunately is a requirement yeah. of the sort of democratic process that we have. You know, if you lived in a dictatorship, I reckon the industry would be great. Yeah, Xi Jinping could turn up <laughs> exactly. anytime. No problem. Yeah, the new dam is there. Ten years yeah, from now, yeah, no look problem. At all the railway they built in China. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely right. I mean, you look at these hot, you know, Olympic and big sporting event construction windows are perfect examples of that, isn't it? Like you know, Vladimir Putin during the Sochi Olympics and during the World Cup was able to. I mean, that was a real. Uh, speaking of Russia, Ukraine, I was just thinking, reading uh, something about his. That was a great moment for him in showcasing Russia, and was this infrastructure that was pr- provided as a consequence of the World Cup. And I think that for someone like him who can think decades along the line about political outcomes that's absolutely fine but for politicians they're either at the beginning putting the shovel in the ground or they're cutting the red tape at the end of it and uh, it's just who happens to be there effectively isn't it but no one's done it better than London I think 2012 is still the flagship for no one has done it better than generation of an area 2012 for me the post-war moment for Britain was 2012 I think that was the moment this country really was at its most confident diamond sorry golden jubilee Olympics it was an amazing moment wasn't it and it was all because of construction and infrastructure that was what drew drew people together and brought people together on that note yeah on that note let's wrap up this conversation What? what because we've done 35 minutes already no I told you to go quick you see, talking about construction, you seem to lose track of time. That's been unbelievably insightful, Matt. We've had a really great conversation. Maybe I'll send it back. We'll do another one. I think so. We'll do it when we've got the new Prime Minister. And <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for joining me today. Yeah. Where can the listeners get in touch with you if they want to learn more or follow up with you? I mean, I'm happy to, uh, maybe you can put my email on the website, happy to have people reach out to me on Twitter, the whole yeah. bit, basically. We'll all the socials. Yeah, all the socials, except for, well, home address, uh, all except for Facebook, because my family had gotten a bit wild on Facebook, and I've decided there's no, no, I can't do it anymore, so it'll be Twitter, no, no, email, or in person. You want, whatever you want. I'm we'll kidding. Put it on the yeah. notes, no problem. So wonderful. To all of our listeners today, thank you for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Construction Big Breakfast. We have a new episode every week or so. So click the subscribe button, which will be down there somewhere. Uh, Turn your notifications on so you don't miss a single episode. 
while you're at it, we'd appreciate a five-star review. And if you enjoyed this episode today, please like it, share it, as that helps us reach more listeners. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or looking to collaborate in other ways, visit our website, which is inventnn.com. The link's in the description. Fill out the contact form and one of my team will be in touch. So see you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on the Construction Big Breakfast. Make sure to visit our website, www.invent.com, where you can subscribe to the Construction Big Breakfast on all platforms so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a positive rating. Or if you'd simply share it with a friend, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in for our next episode.